0: Let your glory fill this house Pour it out Let your love run over here and now Let your glory fill this house Tongues of fire Testifying of the Son One desire We are. We're, we're launching a, a new series today, and the title of the, the series is called Holy Spirit. Okay, very direct. Hey, Holy Spirit, what? Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit. It's kind of in your face title, because I want it to be in your face. I want it to be in my face. I want us to think about this person called the Holy Spirit. And uh, I was talking in pre-service prayer. We do have pre-service prayer, by the way, at 9:30 every Sunday morning. People come and intercede for the service. And uh, if you can make it, I'm happy you just get here. So you, there's no complaints. You get here, get here, you get here on time. Get here early. Get here late. Just get here. But uh, if we can get there, more prayer, more water level of the Holy Spirit, and, and God's doing. Uh, thanks, more. God's doing uh, more things for us and with us. And He say, man, there just seems to be a Correlation between us praying and God doing, <laughs> big one. So the more we pray, the more God what does, and uh, we just got to get that. Well, anyway, I was sharing in pre-service prayer with, with uh, the team about this this doctrine, this subject called the Holy Spirit. And it, it's 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 very special to me, in, in many ways. Uh, I'm I'm, a, I'm writing my autobiography right now. Some of you heard my story and. I, uh, I I started writing it a few years back, and I said, "Well, who really wants to hear about me?" And I put it on the shelf, and that's stupid to write about yourself. And uh, uh, but I've been stirred because so many people have asked me, "Could you write your story in a book?" And uh, I'm asked to go into high schools to tell my story. So it's a it's a dark story. One third of my life was very very dark, and it wasn't dark like I ran with the Hell's Angels, and you know, and I I ran guns into Mexico, you know. Okay, and I worked for the cartel and the Mafia at the same time, and it was not one of those testimonies. It's a, it's a testimony of a lot of psychological and relational darkness. Yeah, it almost took my life out. Thank you more. Uh, and uh, I was at a place when I was, when I was 21 years old, where I, I was losing my mind, and I was losing my mind. I don't want to get into the details of what that looked like, but uh, I had stopped eating. My my spring of my junior year, I played, I played my last year of college football. Thirty like thirty five pounds. No, would that be an you know thirty five pounds lighter than I am right now? And uh, and it wasn't like well you were just a shredded little guy. I was a lineman, and so I had lost because I just had lost all interest in eating. That was classic depression. I had classic almost effective schizoid. Uh, affections, in the sense that I was losing touch with reality. I was contemplating suicide. I was not in a good place in my life. And I struggled to get sound, and I find I slip back into these thoughts, and and I was searching for Christ, and uh, in a sense, are you the son of God or are you not? So this thing about Jesus is a big thing with me because I went through the thing, either you're God or you're not, and I got I to I come to grips with this thing. And I remember... In my heart, where I was at, is that if I'm going to make a commitment, I knew I was going to make a commitment to Jesus, the Lord of my life. If I'm doing, I was like on a diving board, you know, contemplating jumping in, and He had to be Lord. I knew that, and I knew what I was going to give up. I knew what it was going to cost me. I was dating her at the time, and I knew it might cost me my relationship with Sue. I knew everything was on the line. I knew my guys and my team were going to reject me, and I and I knew all these things that was taking place. But I said, well, I'm going to do this. I don't want to come out of the religiosity of my past background where it was all just liturgy and some incense and some confessions and everything else, and it was just creedal, you're making statements, but you're not really living out a life. I didn't want to trade that by going to some evangelical church and, you know, we'll sing a few hymns and get a little 20-minute talk and go away. I, I, I needed the reality of Jesus presently. I needed him to be real and to powerfully deliver me. And so I was looking not for the historical Jesus, I was looking for the present Jesus, the Jesus who's alive and working and present among the church. And, and through that, I came into, those days, what was known as the Catholic Charismatic Movement, and, and, and there I met a bunch of believers that introduced me to the person of the Holy Spirit, and I don't have time to tell this whole story. But this is a doctrine that saved my life, I'm gonna safely say I would not be here today if I did not live out what I'm gonna be teaching you. I may not even be alive today. So this is like the, outside of Jesus, and of course I don't wanna compete in the Godhead, okay, outside of just Jesus being the Lord of my life, this truth, life, theology, saved me, set the course of my life, and I've never been the same again. And I have a heart that you would experience the dynamic aspect of a relationship with the Holy Spirit just like me. So, Holy Spirit, without any further introduction, let's dive in to some Bible scriptures. Now, I will say I'm going to go quickly today. I might be quoting some scriptures, write them down and go look them up yourself. I might be stating them without you reading them just for time's sake. But here we go. John 14, 16 to 18, Jesus said this. And I, Jesus, will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Come on, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now notice there's three persons in this verse. There's I, Jesus, asking the Father, the Father, who's gonna give you another advocate to help you, or one who's gonna come alongside of you. This is this is the, 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 what's called the paraclete, the Greek word for this helper. And there's a lot of fuzziness what that word actually means. It means one coming alongside. It was used in legal terms like a defense attorney to defend somebody. It's just someone's going to come alongside of you, but not because he's your personal servant to your agenda, but you're not left alone in this thing. And then when he says another, the word alas there is, means one like me is gonna come alongside of you. So we have Jesus, we have the Father. Notice these three persons. And we have the spirit of truth coming to you. So what Jesus is saying here is that I will pray to the Father and he will give you a helper just like me to come alongside of you. You know him because I've been with you and because he is just like me. In other words, I will now be In you, what I am right now with you. A lot of people say, I wish I was back in the old New Testament days. You are in the New Testament days. Man, what would have been great to live in the days of the book of Acts? You are writing Acts chapter 29. we got to remember that. This is not just a truth back then. It's a truth that we taste and interact with and experience on a 24-7 basis. This is reality. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. The resurrection. And we'll stay in with them. He, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Once again, we see Jesus. We see the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be Baptized, and that word baptized, we can put soaked, we can put immersed, we can put dipped, oh, fully overwhelmed. You're gonna be fully overwhelmed by the with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Come on, notice Jesus ordered them, the Father sent him, and the Holy Spirit fills us. Amen. This is what theology is, this is reality, what we experience. Let's look at the benediction, the prayer that Paul closes, his second letter to the, to the Corinthian church. Now, you know, a lot of people look at Corinthians and like Paul's just taking his apostolic paddle and just spanking them like crazy for their carnality. But, but Paul ends his second letter to them just saying, I want you guys to be blessed. And this is the blessing. This is the blessing we're to live in. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, come on, the Son, and the love of God, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The Father loves us. The love of God. Through Jesus, grace has been given to us. And grace has been provided for us through Jesus. Come on. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, grace has been given. And this love and this grace is experienced through the person or the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life it's not good enough that you can quote to me some statement doctrinally of grace you have got to be one who's interacted with grace it's not good enough you can tell me about the love of God God is love and answer it very robotically like a kid in a grade school class here's the answer it's, the Spirit wants us to experience the love of God. In fact, in another place, in the book of Romans, Paul says the love of God is being poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit. In Galatians, he says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in us crying out, Abba, Father. So it's not good enough. I, I, God is love. No, God is loving me. God is grace, so God is showing me and experiencing both the passive and the active side of grace. I don't deserve it, but there's something working in me that I can't resist. It's called grace. Grace should nag you. Grace harasses you. Grace stirs you. Grace rattles your cage. Come on, grace isn't just a little passive thing where God's a sugar daddy just giving out candy. It's dynamic. The grace of God. And, And we don't deserve that intervention. Now, Why are we doing a series on the Holy Spirit, Bob? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked that. (laughs) Because the Christian life is not about becoming a better person. The Christian life is not about you and I keeping a set of rules. Now, obviously, God's writing his law in our heart. Obviously, we're people of conscience and morality but it's not, here's your set of rules. The problem with the set of rules is that they're limited. You could give some, So I don't mean to pick on the Marines, but I watched this one time. I watched a bunch of Marines asking their captain on deck on a ship that I was touring to have permission for leave, to get off the ship. They saluted that, They saluted that captain, got permission by the book. And I'm sure those boys went off and got drunk and chased women. Okay, so keeping rules didn't make them moral. It's not about, I can quote a creed. I mean, I can quote a creed. I, I quoted creeds my whole life like a robot. It's not about being servant of the month at City Irish Church. Servant of the week, servant of the year, servant of the month. It's not about that. It's not about door greeting, working with kids. That's not what the Christian life is all about. You know what the Christian life's about? The Christian life's about being born again. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. A lot of debate. Was that just perceive it or actually enter into it? I think it's both. you got to be born again. You have to have heaven come into your life and reach down into your inner person and change you. Change your bent. Change the way you lean. Change the way you think. And it's not you. It is the Holy Spirit coming in you and transforming you. It's being its being transformed by that Spirit where I'm actually becoming another person. That's right. I'll never forget when I was in uh, Columbia Falls uh, uh, Church. It's way up in the Kalbispel area in, in, in uh, Montana. And I preached, and my roommate in college came and, and heard me preach. He hadn't seen me for years. And I was just being me, and I was just... This is what normal me is, and got done preaching, prayed for some people at the altar, everything was empty, and there was one of my roommates, Bill Roach, sitting in the back of the church, all by himself. Everyone was out in the foyer or leaving, and it's like he saw a ghost. He had a blank stare. I was worried. Like, man, what happened? And I, I sat down, Bill, you okay? Yeah. Yeah. I I I couldn't believe that was you. We don't realize it. Some of us were always around our grandparents growing up and we'd see them every three or four years or something and they'd always grab you by the cheek, you know. I don't know why grandparents grabbed you by the cheek in those days, just, just shake it a little bit, get, to, get those baby teeth out or something, you know. You've grown so tall, you know. You're so big, you know. You, you just kind of were a kid. You didn't realize you grew at all. Well, the Holy Spirit transforms us into different people, He fills us with supernatural power, clothes us so that we might be able to do his will. You know, the Spirit, we're we're totally enabled by the Spirit. We can't even fulfill the will of God or be the type of people he's commanded us to be without the, the Holy Spirit. Paul said, by the Spirit, in Romans 8, 13, by the Spirit we mortify or destroy the deeds of our fallen nature. How do you kill old habits? By the Spirit. How do you conquer sin? By the Spirit. How do you overcome your your past? By the Spirit. Everything's by the Spirit. I'm going to say, by the Spirit. Spirit. Uh, That's Romans 8. By the Spirit, by the Spirit, by the Spirit, by the Spirit. The Spirit enables us. Romans 8, 26 says, I do not know how to pray for as I ought to pray, but the Spirit himself. Helps us. The Spirit Himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, I can't even pray. The Holy Spirit has to enable me to be able to pray. I can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things, you know, we can do in the Christian life and in the church that doesn't really require Holy Spirit assistance. We can door greet, you can just be a friendly person. You know, when I was a sinner, and I don't actually use that word, I like to, us and them, but when I was living in that lifestyle, and I was deceived, and I was in a place of darkness, I was a nice guy. You would have liked me. You say, that Bob's a nice sinner. It didn't, it didn't take any Holy Spirit power to be nice. It took Holy Spirit power to be selfless, but not nice. Nice and selfless are not synonymous I know a lot of grouchy people that are totally sacrificial. They're just grouchy people. (laughs) They don't smile until lunch. You don't have to. You you know, I'm going to say this. You don't have to have. You don't have to have uh, Holy Spirit power and enablement to depend on that to even preach at the pulpit here. So let me pick on my own ministry. You can be a, a good comedian, like me. You can have an ability to talk to a crowd. You can have ability to motivate great football coaches to get you in tears. I mean, go out and get them. Yeah, I'm going to kill for you. I mean, they just had charisma. I mean, it's natural. That doesn't mean they had the Holy Spirit. You know, I we said, well, we're really, God's really guided us to do, you know, we're, we're marketing and branding our church. Well, businesses do that. Well, we do small groups. You think you're the original thing on small? Well, we do small groups. Well, so do a lot of other organizations. It doesn't take enabling me. And what God wants us to do, he wants to get us to a place where we have to literally lean on the power of the Holy Spirit to do stuff. That's why you have Romans chapter seven. What I wanna do, I don't do. How many people have ever experienced that? And what I, what I don't wanna do, I end up doing what I, and I get all confused. <laughs> Who's going to deliver me, Paul says, from this body of death? Thanks be to God, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the chapter 8 says, by the Spirit, 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 gives us the key to overcome that yo-yo-ness in us. We're weak, but the Spirit changes us. You know, in the Spirit, I, I can't convert people. I can't convert people frustrated i try to get someone saved they are get saved i you know I walk out my front yard a neighbor says i need to talk to you i need to i need to find god i mean I, this just doesn't work i mean it's all the work of god you know i share my faith and make declarations of the gospel but he converts jesus said and he will convict the world of sin he will he convicts he stirs he rattles their cages you know, Paul said the, the weapons of our warfare are not natural in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. But they're, they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, we use that like take every thought in control. Ooh, that bad thought, I bind it. Mm, out of my mind. <laughs> okay, that's not what Paul taught. Paul's talking about his ministry, he's talking about his ministers of the gospel. We are, even though we walk in our natural body, our weapons are from another world. And we war from another world's perspective and another world's anointing. Yes. This is different. Your very name, Christian, means ones who are anointed. It means little Christ. Little anointed ones. You're little anointed ones. Okay, that's what you are. That's what a Christian, Christ means anointed. So if you're a Christian, you're a little Christ or you're a little anointed one. Stay the person next to you. You're a little anointed one. No, I didn't say annoying. I didn't say annoying. Anointed. The doctrine of the Holy Spirit is one of the most important doctrines in the Bible. The Bible starts in Genesis chapter one. In verse 2 and 3, it says the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. And the Bible ends in Revelation 22, 17, and the Spirit and the Bride say come. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a record of the acts of the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. It's a record of the historical acts and teachings of the Holy Spirit. It's all about the Spirit. It starts with the Spirit and ends with the Spirit. The New Testament The New Testament is birthed and experienced through the Holy Spirit. What do you mean by birth and experience? Start with Jesus. The New Testament talks about Jesus, that the Holy Spirit overshadowed the womb of Mary. Wow. Jesus, at his baptism, when he comes out of the water, come on, John sees the Spirit descending upon him like a dove, and Jesus was clothed as a man in in his humanness, he, he was clothed with the power of the Spirit and the Father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus was anointed, had the Holy Spirit smeared all over him. Peter said in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God had anointed, that word means it's getting oil smeared all over you. In other words, he had the Holy Spirit all over him, anointed him with, with power. He anointed him with the Holy Spirit. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He anointed him with the Spirit and with power. He he did something, Jesus. Jesus, according to Hebrews chapter nine, he offered himself up on the cross by the Spirit. How did Jesus do that? Spirit empowered a human man. This wasn't his divinity. Get that cross right up here. Hey, put that hand right there. No, he, he had to offer himself by the Spirit. It was a tough season, but the Spirit had him offer himself up. Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, this is the New Testament No Holy Spirit, no New Testament. How about you and I? You and you and I are regenerated or born again, changed by the Spirit of God. There's a change. There's got to be a change bent in us. Now I know some things fall off slow and there's pro- process. I understand all that, but there's got to be something different inside of us. Come, on, we're transformed. We are empowered, like we said, with the Holy Spirit. How about the church? God birthed the church. On the day of Pentecost, the Jewish festival back in 30 AD, he came and the church became the church because he poured his spirit on it. That's when it became the church. Amen. It was God's called out people, ecclesia, that were, that were called out and filled with his spirit as the new temple. The church was birthed by the spirit. The church is governed by the spirit. I'd rather have the Holy Spirit governing the church than me. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent, can be everywhere. I can't. I can be here. That's it. Holy Spirit is all powerful. I'm not. I take naps. (laughs) I get tired. Sometimes people come to my office and they want me to give a prophetic word. Like, what can I do for you? Well, what do you see? I see someone sitting on my couch. And you know, they're pouring their heart out on me, and I can hardly keep my eyes open sometimes. <laughs> Bob Stricker's dad, Bob Stricker Sr. He used to, he was counseling pastors in the Midwest, guy would just pass be pouring out his heart to Bob, and he would just, no, brother, brother, I want you to hold on to that thought. Now, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna just close my eyes here, and take a nap <laughs> for about five minutes, and then wake up, we'll continue. So the guy would just watch Bob. Take a nap for five minutes and wake up. Okay, where were we? (laughs) Thank God the Holy Spirit is governing the church. (laughs) Come on, he's all-knowing, except the Lord keep the city. I don't have to go around investigating with a magnifying glass, all little sin. God will cough it up, and you've seen it in this church where sin got exposed yeah, he keeps the city. He protects. I don't have to be all powerful. He's all powerful. He's working when I'm watching TV. I know that doesn't sound really spiritual to you, but it is the truth of the matter is the Holy Spirit's governing the church, and he's doing it here in Hazeldale. He's doing it in Peking, and he's doing it in Seoul, Korea. He's doing it in and in, in, in Kyrgyzstan. He's doing it in Moscow. You can't stop him. The Iranian government's trying to stop the church, but they can't. Everyone, Jesus keeps visiting everybody with visions. They've cut off all technology, and Jesus says, "Okay, I'll just show up in the synagogues and convert them myself." I've talked with so many Muslims. How did you come to Christ? I was in the mosque, you know, and I was praying, and Jesus appeared to me over and over and over and over again. Jesus said, "You know what? You trap my church. I'm gonna still work because the Holy Spirit's in charge of the church." You see, to resist the church is to resist the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And to resist the Holy Spirit, you'll end up resisting the church. Because yeah. this is what he has birthed. This is what he's empowered. And I know, well, the church does the cherish that. Yes, okay, we got our issues. Not a pretty church, but the church he's building. He's just in the middle of construction. I've never seen a building being built in the middle of it that looked pretty. Oh, look at that rebar. Isn't that beautiful? Boy, there's an anointing here today. All right. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. Listen to this in John 16, 14. John 16, 14. He will bring me glory by revealing to you whatever he has received from me. He's going to reveal Jesus to us. It's not just reading about Jesus, having Jesus revealed to you. You can see this, for instance, in Luther, uh, excuse me, not Luther, but John Wesley, in his own journals, as he got converted. He was a very religious man, but he was reading the commentaries of Martin Luther on the book, on first chapter of Romans, and he just had this encounter where he says, This overwhelming love just came to me. Jesus appeared to him in the sense that there was a revelation that changed his heart and changed Western history. An encounter with the Spirit revealed in Jesus. The Holy Spirit causes us to, to become what the Bible says we are. Now The Bible says that you and I, because of our confession of faith in Jesus Christ, we are declared 100% not guilty, righteous in his sight. Now, you know in your personal experience, and all the spouses would say amen about your spouse, that that is not true. That you, you are not presently what God has declared you. But see what the Holy Spirit's going to do. The Holy Spirit's going to come into our life, and he's going to cause me to become what I am. The yes. Bible says in Romans 8, 4, he says, he says, So that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled up in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So he's gonna work something in me from the inside out. So I don't know what it is for a a Christian to say I'm not interested in reading the Bible. I I don't understand that. Because if he is in you, he's gonna take you right there. You know, the Bible says we're washed with the washing of the water of the word. I mean, if someone said to me, I don't take baths or showers. Why? I don't, I don't like them. Not interested. You should be, trust me. Or <laughs> right? I don't eat food. We shouldn't have to go to church. We should absolutely, passionately want to be in church. Now, there's circumstances. I understand that. He works in us. He works in us. He works in us. Holy Spirit is causing me to become whom God says I am. Holy Spirit also, also does this. The Holy Spirit brings the reality of heaven's presence and power in our present existence, and without his presence, we can do nothing for God. I love, and write this down, Ephesians 1.13. When you believed in Christ, you were marked. A well, mark was put on you. You were marked with the seal of of the promised Holy Spirit. When you believe, you were marked, marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. God brought the reality of heaven in your present life. And God brought the reality of the, your future glory in heaven. He brought heaven to you now. He brought the voice of heaven to you now. He brought the power of heaven to you now when you believe. We're not here just slugging it out in the trenches until Jesus comes. Just kind of plowing through in our own strength. This is why Jesus said, He says, I want to give you, I want to give you the power of my presence before you go out and, and try to fulfill my mission. Because you're not there, man, I'm just slugging it out. And where are you, God? We are having some problems down here. It's his power. It's his power. It's his power. Amen. You know, the doctrine of the Trinity is more than a hopeless puzzle to solve. We have a baptism formula, Matthew 28, baptize him in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If you go to the New Testament, you're dealing with three persons all the time. And the reason why it's not a puzzle because whether you realize it or not, we live in the, in the reality of this doctrine all the time. I want you to turn with me, if you, if you will, Acts chapter 19. We're doing good so far? Yeah. Acts chapter 19. I'm going to read the verse, six verses here. This is always a, one of my favorite parts of Scripture because it reveals something to us. Well, Apollos was in Corinth, verse 1, Acts 19, verse 1. Paul went through the the inland regions and came to Ephesus. And he found some disciples there and said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, some people debate that these guys were just disciples of John, but not when it said disciples. They weren't necessarily disciples of Jesus. I refute that for a number of reasons. One, Paul said, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? Believe in What? John's Just John's preaching were believed upon Jesus, whom John's p- pointed to. Second, if you look at chapter 18, right before this, Apollos was in Ephesus. Apollos was preaching. He had limitations, but Aquila but and Priscilla pulled him aside, and they, and, they, and they absolutely educated more on the ways of God. He became a mighty disputer. So it's in my, in my understanding that Apollos did some preaching in Ephesus before Paul showed up. Didn't necessarily birth a church. These guys had some influence of Jesus. So these are believers that have only experienced a dimension of God. And Paul sees something lacking in them, and he says, Have you received the Spirit when you believed? Have you seen it? And, uh, and so they replied, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. They're lacking something in their experience in their relationship with God. So Paul goes back to the baptisms. Formula. So he said, into what then were you baptized? Because the Spirit was mentioned in baptism. Into John's baptism. Well, Paul said, John baptized them. When they heard this, they were baptized and believed in the one who was to come after him—that That is in Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They began to speak in tongues and prophesy. All of a sudden, they started experiencing the Trinity, not just quoting about the Trinity, and their faith was really kind of more not even in the presence of the Holy Spirit, just this jesus who who we are um, you know believing in because of paul's preaching or just what John pointed to, whatever that was true my my, my issue is is this back to second Corinthians thirteen fourteen the Father loves us and, and, and gave us his son Jesus, who revealed god's grace, who who brings us grace and makes grace possible because of his sacrifice on the cross? He makes God's absolute kindness possible in our life. And the Holy Spirit is to be experienced where we experience this love and this grace. It's just not quoting it, it's experiencing it. You know, some believers are what I call monetarian. Monotarian? Yeah, you know, they just kind of believe there's God up there. They're not even necessarily a believer in Jesus Christ. It's, there's God somewhere up there like a clockmaker, like a deist. I wouldn't be a believer, he'd just be like a deist. He's up there, he's wound up the universe, and he just lets it run, and we'll, we'll find him later. Some some believers, some believers are binetarian. The Father sent the son. And Father sent the son. And Father sent the son. We have not heard if there's such thing as the Holy Spirit. You've never fully experienced the Trinity. You've never tasted it. You've never tasted the love of God, the grace of God, the power of God, the presence of God, the presence of heaven. And then there are those who are Trinitarian, who believe the Father sent the Son, and the Father and the Son sends the Holy Spirit into my life, and I've tasted the reality of who He is. And I've tasted it and I've experienced it. It's not a puzzle, it's an encounter. Look at this. John chapter 14. These things I have spoken to you, okay? The Son. You can't escape this language, even though you're gonna try and dissect it, you'll you'll hit some limitations, but it's there. I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, while I'm still with you, but the Helper, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, okay? Now we got the Holy Spirit. We got Jesus speaking to you. The Helper, the Holy Spirit's coming. Whom the Father, now we got the Father going on. The Father will send in my name. Okay, he's gonna send that. He will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Come on, Jesus spoke to you. The Holy Spirit will make what I said come alive and and my Father will will basically send him. Now, let's talk about the Trinity defined. I take this definition from the Bible teacher, Kevin Conner. The scriptures give us the revelation of the eternal Godhead, who has revealed himself as one God, existing in three persons. I know that's really difficult for people, okay? And and Paul said great is the mystery of godliness. Existing in three persons, even the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Distinguishable, and I want you just to think of distinguishable, but three persons, Some have tried to say, well, Bob, you're a father, you're a husband, and you're a son. The problem with that, I'm still one person. Distinguishable. Now, let me just ask you a few questions. Who did Jesus pray to? You know, was he, Father, let this uh, cup pass from me. Uh, I can't. Okay, okay. Is that what's going on? When Jesus was coming out of the water, was he a ventriloquist? my son. Boom, well, please. What was that? That was the voice of God. Who did Jesus submit to? And who, who spoke to him? Now, how can Jesus... Be in heaven, and he is. Because the Bible says, we believe the Bible? It says, for there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Now, I understand he is fully God, fully man. But the man, Christ Jesus. We have a priest in a dimension called heaven with a physical body who walked the earth 2,000 years ago. And the Bible says we don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feelings of our weakness, because he was tempted in all points like us, yet without sin. So there's a man in heaven, but yet that same man says, I'll be with you always. Well, where? China, Russia, the Arctic, and Argentina, I'm with you. Well, how can he be with everybody and still be one man in heaven? And understand it. understand it. ton into issues all over the place with this thing. Well, can I fully dissect it and understand it completely no but it's everywhere confronting you in the bible but the one thing that i can is i can't experience it now what does a relationship with the holy spirit look like what does it look like well first this you're going to possess a revelation of the father and his son jesus said this and yet a little while and the world will see me no more But you will see me because I live, you will also live. Come on, we're going to live supernaturally. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. I'm just checking what you got there. And I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. How is Jesus going to man? The word is ephanizo. It means to make himself visible. How is Jesus going to make himself visible to us? Through the Holy Spirit. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And notice this, and my father will love him. And and listen to this language. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Distinguishable, but indivisible. I didn't finish that definition on on the Trinity. Distinguishable, but still as one. And we'll make our home with him. Now, now, this is powerful. There's going to be an encounter when the Holy Spirit enters your life with the Father heart of God. The Father and the Son will come and make our abode with you. That's why one of the things that happened, we're going to read a verse next when he's in us, is that we cry out, Abba, Father. God is going to bring you a revelation of sonship. God is going to bring a revelation to you of adoption, that you are absolutely his. This is real. Sonship. And of course, Paul picks up this thought in Romans chapter eight. He says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. You go to Israel today and you're in some park, some little kids run up to his dad. You know what he's gonna call his dad? Abba. Abba, Abba, Abba. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, Paul, used a very informal, endearing, intimate word to describe what happens to us when God comes and takes up his boat as Father in our life. The Spirit of self bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, some would say it doesn't matter how you feel, you just take things by faith. There's truth to that, but there is a witness. There is a witness of the Spirit in our heart that we're sons and daughters. There's a sonship witness there's an adoption witness there's a crying out for daddy witness in our hearts. don't worry folks I told them to come on up here it's mental telepathy it's part of the spirit I remember back in um, nineteen ninety eight um, city Bible then I think there was still Bible temple then they had first-time concert of Hillsong with Darlene Check and, uh, on a Saturday night at, at Bible Temple. And a lot of us from City Arborist Church, we went over. We're, we hadn't built this building yet. We were still in, next door to the Jason Lee Middle School. And, and I remember the first time I, I heard the song, um, you know, from the waters deep, I will rise and, and um, into your saving arms of love. And I just got hit with the Father's love for me. So I started bawling, emotional. Bawled all night, got up the next morning. My devotions was Ephesians chapter one that I was chosen and I was adopted and, you know, I was accepted and, you know, I was forgiven and <laughs> sealed. And, and so I start bawling again. I come to church, I remember I cried through the whole service. I remember Catherine Ladder was there, she was going to give me some estrogen pills or something. I was just, I was just, I was, I was wrecked. I was wrecked by the father heart of God. I knew it theologically, but there was a witness brought to me by the spirit of the father's adoption of me. And it it changed me. I had a truth, but the truth became a reality by the spirit. I remember talking to Pastor Phil Harris about it. We're flying into Kansas City, going to a conference. He says, "Bob, man, right now you just—it just seems like you got this revelation and this emphasis in your life of the Father' heart of God." And there in Kansas City, they wanted a, a prophet by the name of Mike Sullivan to to prophesy over us and the team I had there. And so he gets me, and he just starts shaking all this stuff off my shoulders. I just—he says, "I just see hundreds." of carnal expectations of you, of people. And all you want to do is be alone with the Father. That's exactly where I was at. I just wanted to be alone with Dad. How do I know I'm experiencing the Spirit? You're gonna have a Father encounter. You'll experience a range of internal experiences from being comforted to being troubled, from grief I mean, from great joy, excuse me, to grief. You know, Jesus said these words. Look at this. And he will convict the world. Oh, man, he's going to reveal to me his will. He's going to reveal to me who he is. And he's going to reveal to me what I am not. That's not fun. Having a wake-up call to my own self-deception is not fun. The Spirit, And really, the closer I get to him, the more I know I fall short. The Spirit, notice this. Immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Talk about Jesus. Drove. It's not some casual thing going on inside of me. Drove him. The New American Standard Bible says, "Impelled him." The NIV says, "Set him." The New King James Version says, "Drove him." It's not a light suggestion. Right. The Holy Spirit, the Father, did not come to Jesus say, "Pray about it." Whether you should go in the wilderness, or not, I think it would be a good idea. I think it would be very good for you. <laughs> Drove him. Yes. This is what happens when the Spirit's in my life. Bible says, so the church was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and it multiplied. Come on, they experienced the confirmation of God's work among them and brought great comfort that God is with us. Paul said this, Paul said this. Now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem. I am constrained by the Spirit. Remember, Paul had prophecies in every town. You go there, you're going to get arrested. You go there, they're going to tie you up. You go there, you're going to be put in jail. You go there, you're going to suffer tribulation and affliction. You go there. Paul says, I am constrained by the Spirit. New King James Version says, I'm bound. The New English Translation, I am compelled. The New Living Translation says, I'm drawn there irresistibly. Sometimes the Spirit just moves us towards something that nothing else can stop us, not even a prophecy. Romans 8, 4 says, In order the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Something dynamic is going to come inside of you where you are absolutely going to change. You're going to want to obey the Bible. You're going to have new desires. What else does the Bible say about the Spirit? The Spirit is life. Come on, He's life. You're experiencing life today because of the Spirit in your life. When the spirit is life because of righteousness. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit. You're going to have new desires in you. Desires that work against the world and work against culture. Work against philosophy. Work against your own fallen nature. Work against people that oppose you. There's something working in you. This is not casual. This is dynamic. You're going to hear God's voice. God's voice. That voice might be A hunch. That voice might be a, a thought. It might be a tug. It might be intuition. It might be some leaning you have, but you're hearing from God. The Bible says this, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over there and join the chariot. Now, notice something. It wasn't a lot of information. It doesn't have to be much. Just go to that chariot. In other words, when you get there, you're going to see the next thing I'm going to instruct you to do. But you've got to get from point A to point B to CC. Yeah. It wasn't a whole encyclopedia. Go take over the chariot. What? Peter had the same experience. God said, Well, Peter was pondering the vision. The Spirit said, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I've sent them. Peter, go without doubting, and the rest will make sense to you when you get there. 1982, my wife and I were just at the end of ourselves in a church situation and we were at the end of ourselves and where we were in our walk with Christ and we were in a great amount of pain because of some of the things we suffered in a church situation and so at the end of the rope I said you know what I feel like God's leading us to Bible temple we're going to go down there and that's all we knew we're going to go down there bad market horrible economy no jobs but we're going to go down there I got offered other jobs people I'm one pastor. I'll make you the youth pastor over the Christian school. I'll get you moving forward. You'll be lost in the crowd down there. All I know is I'm supposed to go there. That's all I know. Sold everything, packed up the U-Haul, hauled down there, and God guided us. About a year later, I'm still kind of there and one night, crying out to God, God, why, Ask this question, why have you brought me here? Why have you brought me here? I lay down in bed with Sue, and I said, honey, I don't know why God has brought us here. The next day, I was working. They gave me a job to pour tar on top of the water tower. we on top of Rocky Butte, and in the middle of the afternoon, I'm putting, laying out tar, and up a ladder comes Art Johansson, one of the elders of the church, walks over to me, this is 24 hours later. He says, Bob, I just came out of the office of Pastor Dick Iverson, and he wanted me to tell you something, that the reason you were brought here is to work with the youth of this church. Amen. History revealed the rest. I didn't, know, I didn't know plan C until I got to B. All I had was go here. Yeah. Well, we're spirit people. Yeah. We follow the leading of the spirit of God. You're going to do things for God beyond your absolute natural abilities. Come on, you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Come on, you'll be my witnesses. Come on, you're going to be his witness with not with your ability, but with his ability. He's going to do things you can't do. You're just going to do something and he's going to do the rest. Right. Amen. Notice, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Now I want you to notice this. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Not as I make it up. I want a bow tie. I want a bow tie. I want a bow tie. She wrote a Honda. She wrote a Honda. She wrote a Honda. Because the Spirit gave them utterance. It's the Spirit giving me utterance. The Spirit giving me power. You're going to be instructed in the Scriptures. Here it is. Come on. Last thing here. We'll close it. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. Unnatural natural people are not going to really grasp the Bible, they can quote you some things that Christians believe, but a real revelation of who Jesus is or not. Because the Holy Spirit will take my words and reveal them to you. The one who wrote the book is going to instruct you in the book. Yes, now, yes, we use hermeneutical laws. I've taught you this. We, we don't take it out of context. We make sure we understand the content around it. And it can't mean anything than what it actually meant to say. So you can't twist it and turn it and shoehorn it and make it sound spooky and, and heavy-rabby. It is what it is. But the Holy Spirit still will bring understanding of why he said it like that. It says they cannot understand it because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. We know how to approach life and see life and do life. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. What's he saying? I, don't, I, don't, I will not be judged by some person who doesn't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. What's Bob doing? I'm following the voice of God. It looks nuts only to you. You can't judge me because you don't know the Spirit. Now, by violating something morally, yes. By doing something contrary to human respect and dignity, yes. But I'm following the Holy Spirit. I am constrained. I am impelled. I hear a voice. I am being moved. I am on fire. And I reach up to heaven, and heaven reaches down to me, and I am being controlled and led by something that's not from this world. Does it make me nicer? Honoriness, smile, Eagle Scout, and all my honoriness and grouchiness and irascibility—he's still working in me to go do something. You think Paul was just Mr. Nice Guy? Priest had him, his face slapped. You know how Paul responded? You white-walled sepulcher. How dare you smite me contrary to the word. (laughs) That was the the apostle who wrote 1 Corinthians 13. (laughs) But Paul burned with mission. That's how I want to close this service. I think God wants to revive our church. And reviving our church means that we're going to repent of going through the motions. We're going to repent of just doing things by duty. I mean, there's a place to do things by duty. But if you're just doing things by duty, that's never the will of God for you just to do things by duty. And I believe there's a lot of us here, and I have no rocks throwing at you, man. I can throw up in the hair and try to let them hit myself. That we've got to rebuild an altar. Rebuild an altar of a passion for relationship with the Holy Spirit. Well, on, this is dynamic. It should keep us awake at night. It should lead us into... You just want to read the Bible or share what Jesus is doing or being lost in worship. We don't have to be antisocial and and culturally irrelevant. We just got to be on fire. I believe God wants to rekindle fire. So as we're singing this song, you feel like you need, if you don't feel like you need that, there's no judgment. I just want to open it up for that. And if you've never been born again, you've never said, Jesus is the son of God, died on a cross for me, he was buried as a dead man, but because he was the son of God, he came alive again, meaning my sins are forgiven me if I want to come to him. I mean, he paid the penalty for what I did, and I want to come to him, and I, and I want to be changed, and I want to follow him. He'll do it right now. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. And if you're here, you've never, you've never been born again. You've been to church, even kind of read, you are in a Bible study, but you've never been born again. You say, Bob, would you pray for me? I'd love to pray for you. I won't even call you up. I'll just, I'll find you somehow. Just just wave at me. I want to accept Christ. I've never been born again. Today's the day. There might be one, there might be two. I know every eye opened up. We're not respecting your privacy today. I understand that. But this is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is Jesus.